Give a little time for the child within you. Don't be afraid to be young and free. Undo the locks and throw away the keys and take off your shoes and socks and run you. I'm Jesse Thorne, America's radio sweetheart. And I'm Jordan Morris, boy detective. And this is Jordan, Jesse, go! This week on Jordan, Jesse, Go, I'm joined by the great Nick Adams. It's a For Dads Only edition of the program. Not actually. But if it was actually, we'd spell dads with a Z. Let's go. It's Jordan, Jesse, Go. I'm Jesse Thorne, known colloquially as America's Radio Sweetheart. I'm Nick Repeat Adams, sitting in for Jordan Morris. I went to the uh, Superior this morning, had to purchase some celery so I can make a chicken salad. And um, after that, I went over to the uh, St. Vincent de Paul, uh, the thrift store here in the neighborhood. Got it. (laughs) I went to the halfway house, um, swore some junk. Picked up a baby. Um, I went to the the St. Vincent de Paul, and outside the St. Vincent de Paul, there was a real classic cholo dad. Like a pure cholo dad. Just homeboy, through and through. Yeah, absolutely. 40 years old, neck tattoos, um, you know... Adidas shower shoes. Which the neck tattoo is when you cross over into you know you're there's not you're you're really limiting your job options when you get a neck tattoo. Pretty much the only job that you can get with a neck tattoo is beating a Giants fan to a pulp outside of a doctor's no, no. game. You got your uh, mixologist, which I call a fucking bartender. Uh-huh. Um, you got your hipster hairstylist, maybe at a Rudy's. Sure. Um, you, NBA basketball player, obviously. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, that might be the only three that you can do with a neck tattoo. Um, so this guy is standing outside there and he's talking to the, uh, security guard outside of the St. Vincent de Paul. And he goes, first of all, security guard at a thrift store, huge, (laughs) huge red flag. So he said, he, he says to the security guard, he goes, Hey man, check this shit out. And he's holding in his hand this big package, like like a yard long and nine inches wide. I have no idea what this is, right? He looks here. Hey, man, check this shit out. <laughs> and I'm like, what is, what is this? What am I witnessing here? What is he going <laughs> to say to the security guard? What does he have that should be checked out? Hey, man, check this shit out. I fucking love kites. <laughs> it's brand new, man. A new kite. He was that excited about. He was him. so excited oh, about the, the thrift- kite he just bought, brand new at the thrift store. Okay, well, it was at the thrift store, so he probably got like a great deal. Which yep. you know, yeah, he did. You would be excited about it if you yeah. got a great deal on a kite. But uh, I don't think I could. I don't think there's anything about kites that would ever inspire me to swear. Like I don't. I can't imagine like <laughs> this fucking kite is awesome. No shit, I like flying kites. He got that excited. Okay, first thing, if you don't mind me uh, commenting on these activities, I'm 38. Yeah. You approximated that guy is like at 40, right? Right. I'm trying to think of what could possibly happen to me in my day-to-day life that would cause me to exclaim, hey, man, check this shit out. Right. I can't think of anything. Right. That's like such an (laughs) eight-year-old, purely enthusiastic response. A profane eight-year-old, but a profane, yeah. Which, you know, kind of redundant, but um, 
hey man, check this shit out. Like maybe I'm trying to think. Maybe if like I can't think. What if there was a really cool bug in your bathroom? Check this out. Hey man, not hey man. Check this shit out. Hey man, hey man. It flies. It's kind of cool. Something happening. Like your brother is there. Yeah. Hey man. Hey homeboy. Check it out. Like. No, a kite, you can't say, hey, man, and then go into a kite riff. It's, it's, uh... Orale, say, I love this fucking kite, man. Check shit out, It's um, a fucking amazing kite, man. Kite enthusiast, uh, cheap father, um, which, like, why was he so excited? It was, uh, it was a beautiful moment. It was just, it was just wonderful. It really touched my heart. I think the only thing that could have topped it is if he had finished that off by reaching into his pocket, slipping one of those flat finger combs over his finger, and like doing one of those cool, like slick back the hair moves. How it, much was it? Do you know? Yeah, I went up and asked him how much it was, how Nick. Much? I went and checked in. I first of all, I I I found that, out what set he was rapping. That informs the story. It's not if it was like. A brand new kite, and he has a, like an eight year old, and it was like three dollars. I think three ninety eight. That's what I'm gonna say. Mm, that might be worth it. That might be. If uh, that happened to you, you'd you'd be in the. And I don't know if these guys knew each other. <laughs> Total stranger. It's conceivable that he knew the guy. I mean, I'm not gonna put it past him, right, but there was right. a little bit of distance between them, physical distance. And I think he was just so fucking stoked no, that he yeah, found think... a kite in the packaging at the thrift store. And let's not forget about this guy. We don't know that much about him besides his sartorial inclinations, right. his choice of volumes at which he speaks. Right. I was halfway across the parking lot, by the way. And uh, his, that he fucking loves kites. I fucking yeah, love kites, it man. It has to be a stranger for you to say, hey, man, check this shit out like that. I think it has to be just a random person. It was amazing. It was an amazing moment in my life. Something that I would love to trap in amber and keep forever. What? Now this is the Saint Vincent. You said the Saint Vincent de Paul. Yeah. Is that uh, is that on the other side of the street from the uh, Superior? You're talking about the other direction on Figueroa here in Highland okay. Park. So it's not near Mount the Washington. Um, classiest Jack in the Box that I've ever seen. <laughs> it looks like a craftsman home in Pasadena. You know what I'm talking about? It's amazing. I kind of want to rent that Jack in the Box out. I'll give those guys like fifteen hundred a month for parties. No, to live in it. <laughs> fifteen hundred a month to live in that Jack in the Box. It's too bad it's not for parties because I think that here in Highland Park everything is rentable for parties. The whole economy of my neighborhood revolves around party rentals. All you need is the castle, right? All you need is the bouncy house. There are more yumper purveyors. <laughs> you can rent more jumpers, a.k.a. yumpers, in my neighborhood. There are more of those than there are drugstores. That is the number one most frequently spotted business. Here's, here's, I want to say something, and, and like someone listening to it might think, oh, he's taking shots or whatever. He's taking the piss out. Uh, now I'm British all of a sudden. But I'm not, and I like to talk about race. But so I'm just gonna say it: like Mexican people party, like, and they love it, and it's <laughs> it's it's such a big part of their culture. Like, what is it? I don't know. It's fucking Tuesday, man. Let's just have a let's just hang out. I drove. I love past. It. It's it's wonderful, and in fact, I am so excited to be having a kid in this neighborhood because I 
bounce houses were not part of the neighborhood that I grew up in because right. there's nowhere to put a bounce house yeah. in the neighborhood that I grew up in. But here, it's like a, the central element of the culture. And I didn't know you could just put them up anywhere. Like, they just take them to a random park on a Saturday and I, blow up a, a house. So, down the other direction on Figueroa Boulevard, a little bit past the Superior, mm-hmm. there's a big park. And it sort of runs parallel to the road. Right. It, it runs in between Figueroa Boulevard and the Arroyo Seco. Yeah. The historic Arroyo Seco. And this park is, I don't know, how, how, how long would you estimate it is? Three football fields maybe long? Something yeah, like sure. that. Somewhere in there. Yeah. We'll call it 300 yards. It's a big, narrow, long, narrow park. It's great. My wife and I, driving to, uh, driving to the $5 movie theater this past weekend, um... Drove past five jumpers in that park. Five different parties with their each with their own jumper. How much are those things? Because I have a theory. Well, that's the thing. It, the, the one of the things about the party rental business, at least as it is practiced in Highland Park, Los Angeles, California, is that your prices are painted on the front of your store. Okay. That's so, good business. That's just smart advertising. I think you're typically, you're looking at a package. <laughs> you're looking at a package rate. Tables, chairs, yumper. Oh, so it's all inclusive. This is all inclusive. Gotcha. Uh, piñata. Piñata candy pack. Got to put something in there. $79. That, see? That's great. That's great. Like, when you think about it, like, the kids are entertained. Like, yeah. all of the kids that will show up at the party, they're taken care of. They can't ask for any. They're going to get candy. They're going to jump around. Maybe you might want to throw in some wipes because somebody's going to throw up in that fucking house. Sure. Throw in some wipes if you want to be, you know. And it's going to have to be a large wipe. Ha- I mean, like a packet, you know, a whole No thing. mini wipes because <laughs> <laughs> it'd take a long time to clean up the barf with the mini wipes. That's a whole other business plan. Big uh, paper towel-sized... <laughs> Jumbo paper towel size Mega wipes Mega wipes For yumpers um, That's pretty good So the kids are taken care of right, right out of the bat I am so fucking excited about this Nick I can't begin to tell you Because I think Number one The highlight of any child's life Is jumping in a jumper There is absolutely the Things that are on par with that That I can remember from my own childhood in Golden Gate Park in San Francisco, there is one of those cement slides that you slide down on a cardboard box, and it is very, very tall. That was almost, but not quite, as good as a jumper. And I think that in my childhood, I maybe went into a jumper three times, two times maybe. Not a lot of fun fairs in inner city San Francisco. It definitely... When you're a little kid, pretty much the only thing, you want to run around just with abandon, not with any sort of intent or purpose, just run in circles, and you want to jump up and down. Right. On a bed, on a mattress. So, yeah, I mean, it's got to be pretty high up on the list of things kids want. But I was going to say, this this shows you my inclinations. I thought you were going to candy. Like, when I was a kid, that's all I wanted was candy. I just wanted more fucking candy and the first time i saw a piñata in real life i thought i had died and going to heaven i was already like 24 
But I, I still think that's one of the most amazing things. Do you think can. that because my child is, I mean, your your child, you had a child recently, yes. Um, also, your first kid, a daughter, yes. Um, and my child is it will be hot on her heels. Um, you know, t- two months behind, a month and a half behind, right. something like that, and. My kid is going to grow up in a world that is soaked in jumpers. It is... I mean, no big deal. Wall-to-wall jumpers. And so, my question for you, Nick, as someone who's going to raise this child probably in uh, mid-city Los Angeles... Probably. ...where there are a lot less jumpers... Yeah. They're not completely missing. They're around. You see them, but it's not... But I don't think this would be a problem that you would have is will my child, because of the surfeit of jumpers, get like a gambling addiction type situation where with each successive jumper, the thrill is less and less, but the need remains there until it's just my kid alone in a jumper at 9 o'clock, the party ended at 7, Stone jumping up and down inside this and just fucking crying, just <laughs> bawling. Just bawling and throwing up on himself. If if you if you grow up in that world, uh huh, I think then you're less likely to fall. It's like when you're when you're in Italy, you don't see a bunch of eighteen year olds running around the park, drinking themselves to death and throwing up because they have been allowed to drink table wine since they were fourteen years old. So you just bring them along gradually, so it's, it doesn't become like a habit. Right. So your kid, well, every now and then there will just always be a jumper. So he'll get used to it. He won't. He won't turn eighteen and run off and go on a jumper binge. Do you think that he'll? Do you think that he'll? Uh, do you think that he'll be like a, an adult jumper? Do, are, do those do those exist? Like outside of? Yeah, they want to get in there. They're pissed the at the kids because they want to get up inside that jumper. No, what happens is I think after um, maybe a few tecates or uh-huh. four. Possibly, probably somebody. Possibly some beer and clamato. Yeah. Uh, uh, what is that called? Uh, we just, uh, michelada. Michelada? Mm-hmm. Uh, that was awful. Um, that was very bad. Yeah, whatever. Uh, <laughs> speak English. Um, <laughs> America for Americans. Yeah. That's our point here. They took our jobs. No, I'm First saying, they took our jobs, then they, then took, they our, took our folding tables, <laughs> then they took our jumpers. You know someone gets drunk and goes in that house is all I'm trying to say. <laughs> you know somebody gets drunk and goes staggers into that house and ruins the whole thing. We'll be back in just a second on Jordan Jesse Go. <laughs> It's Jordan, Jesse Go. I'm Jesse Thorne, America's radio sweetheart. Nick Repeat Adams. Nick, uh, what, what what are you drinking there? You What happened to the stein I gave you yesterday, last week? I didn't want to travel with that. It's too delicate. Nick, you... Okay, so last week on the program, for anyone who skipped a week, Nick came in here with a 24-ounce can of Sapporo and a, no, a plastic novelty stein. I don't know why you keep disrespecting my... Cups. Okay, so... That went down last week. <laughs> that heavy action went down, man. I gave Nick an IFC promotional stein. It's lovely. That was burning a hole through my Goodwill pile. And Nick was so excited about it, he tweeted about it. Yep. He left the plastic novelty stein at my house. 
Nick shows up this week, not with the stein I gave him, not with the stein that he left at my house, but with a new plastic novelty stein that he bought at the supermarket. So you have now bought two plastic novelty steins, despite the fact that it's entirely possible to drink beer out of, say, one of the many glasses at my home, or the bottle, or the other steins you have. I like to come all-inclusive. I don't know. Maybe you like to be a self-contained unit. Maybe you guys had a big dinner party last night. You guys haven't gotten around to doing the dishes. I come in, hey, give me a glass. You gotta wash it glass. This way, El Superior gets more money in their coffers, and I come all. You guys don't have to be put out. Something, um, something happened to me at the urgent care. <laughs> oh, the urgent care is just never a happy place. There is nothing sadder than a, the waiting room at the urgent care. I also love the fact that they said, hey, hey, all of this emergency room shit, everybody just settle down. This isn't an emergency. Everybody just relax. If you urgently need to see a doctor, come over here. But let's just stop calling everything an emergency. The waiting room at the urgent care is like, there's, it's like a grizzled, it's like a grizzled uh, construction worker guy. With like a with like the deepest like Tommy Lee Jones level f- furrowed brow, maybe you a, can tell he's just like fuck doctors, man. <laughs> maybe he's got a homemade tourniquet on something. Yeah, like he he wouldn't he like he had some kind of he had some kind of bacterial infection, and he wouldn't go to the doctor until it went full on Wrath of Khan underneath the skin, popping out alien style. And he's only still only taking like a half day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, um. And I, I was there to get. I, I had. Been, I was in a car accident a couple of years ago, year and a half or so ago, and have some had some back problems. And so I was there to get my medical records from when I went there after the car accident. And, and number one, it was like it's like two pieces of paper from my file. Mm. They made me sign in and wait to get have them print out these pieces of paper. So I literally had to sit there for 40 minutes waiting for my turn to see the doctor in order to get them to print out these two pieces of paper. So I was not entirely happy in this wow, place. Obama and that guy. Yeah, I definitely blame Obama. <laughs> There's this woman standing there. there. It's just... Look, everybody has to go to the urgent care from time to time. Sure. You know, something happened. The doctor's office is closed. It's not an emergency. Your finger's not falling off, but you do got to see somebody to make sure you don't have strep throat or whatever. But that having been said, (laughs) the quality of clientele was low. It was like uh, it was like riding a muni bus in San Francisco late at night. (laughs) Just a lot of questionable characters. Well, uh, also, even if you are normally of uh, high moral fiber. You're not gonna be at your. You're not gonna be putting your best foot forward at the urgent care, Jesse. No, you're not gonna be on your A game at the urgent care facility. At was this Kaiser? This, this is this is Glendale Memorial Hospital. Ah. I, I I probably looked like I was about to boil over myself. I probably looked like, um, uh, what's the guy from Taxi that's always having a bad acid trip? Oh, um. Jim? <laughs> you, you made a height thing to indicate Danny DeVito. <laughs> you knew who I was talking about. Um, yeah, Jim, Jim. Jim from Taxi. I yeah, probably yeah. look like Jim from Taxi. Right. But I saw something that is so 
I don't know. I mean, I. It's very. I want to prepare people for this. There's an element of sadness to it, like genuine sadness. You were in Glendale, so yes, mm. <laughs> it goes without saying. Well, you're gonna get sadness, and you're gonna get yogurt sauce. <laughs> These are the two things you'll get in Glendale, California. Um, there are a lot of Persians and Armenians in Glendale. So they Armenian like they like yogurt sauces. Um, so this is a scene. There's a lot of neck tattoos in here. And there's a woman who I would guesstimate her age at 40 going on 93, um, who has this huge leg tattoo. Okay. Big one piece leg tattoo. It's inscribed at the bottom, mommy in huge letters. I'm talking about four inch high letters. Mm. Script. And did the baby do it, you think? Underneath that <laughs> How did this baby get this jailhouse tattoo kit? He's right down there around the calf. And level, these local so. anesthetics. He just bangs it out. Um so there's huge letters that say mommy. And there's a date underneath. And I think that it is a memorial tattoo. Now, now I feel like a dick. I know. This is what this is the sad part of it, is that it's a memorial tattoo. And I'm not gonna soft pedal the fact that this whole thing is sad. <laughs> but it's so amazing that I felt like I couldn't not talk about it on the mm. show. I felt like I would be cheating the audience if I didn't talk it's about like it. It's like Dancer on the show. in the Dark. You know it's gonna be awful, but you have to see it because everyone says that you should see it. Well, you have to see it because you're in love with Bjork. Also, I'm in love with amazing cinematic performances uh, by once in a lifetime <laughs> talent. <laughs> if you like that, then you know, go see Dancer in the Dark. If not, maybe don't uh thumb your nose at Bjork so much. So there's a graphic that accompanies this memorial message. Wait, so there's the tattoo. With the date, and then what is it, like a, a footnote on this tattoo? <laughs> so the, the tattoo, the date, and, and this, these are at the bottom, uh-huh. but near the ankle. And then above that is a full calf graphic of Betty Boop with angel wings. Okay. My mind is going in a like hundred different directions. <laughs> There's so many things that are happening. She's, you're kind of sexualizing your daughter by comparing her to Betty Boop. Mother. That's even grosser. Yes. That's even grosser. Okay, so this is a memorial tattoo. Wait, maybe Betty, did Betty Boop just die? In which (laughs) the person's mother is represented by an angel version. Of the most sexualized character, maybe in female mainstream animation history maybe no I, jessica rabbit jessica rabbit is more sexualized i am just people. trying to imagine a world in which my father dies i try i decide to memorialize him with a tattoo that says dad died 2027 no all right rest in peace you wouldn't say dad died on the rest tattoo. in peace 2027 <laughs> And it's just Popeye with angel wings. <laughs> or the Tasmanian devil with angel wings. I could use a... It's Calvin pissing on the world from heaven <laughs> with angel wings. 
But if you if you're if you have a tattoo artist of that caliber to do a good Betty Boop, then you're in that level where they're doing someone's face. So then you can just put mom. Do you think is it possible that she had a tattoo of Betty Boop on her calf? <laughs> and then Betty Boop died. Then her mom died. And she had been trying to think of something that she could do with that Betty Boop tattoo. She was she ready w- to take that to the next level. And she said, Well, let's throw some wings on B Boop. <laughs> <laughs> Let's put the memorial message underneath there. I mean, I'm going to give her an out. Was it, if her mom's name was Betty, then that's sort of like we call my mom Betty Boop just as like a nickname. Maybe. No, probably. <laughs> <laughs> I'm giving her the benefit of the doubt. It is like the single most undignified. Well, it's permanent on your body. There are about five dignified tattoos in the world. What about like a flower or something? I feel like if I was someone's mom. Maybe her mom was hot. Maybe her mom was just really hot. If I was someone's mom and I was looking down from heaven at them getting a tattoo, I would prefer to be represented by a skull and crossbones (laughs) than by Betty Boop with angel wings. I would rather be represented by by Bugs Bunny dressed as a lady. Ladybugs was pretty funny, I have to say. Ladybugs is funny, Lady and that's Bugs what I funny. see. And Betty Boop is not funny. It's just Betty Boop is not anything. You should, no one actually likes Betty Boop. They just like oh no, the, I I beg to differ. I think I well, finish your thought. It's just a, it's like Hello Kitty. It's like a thing. Yeah. It's just like a graphic thing. Yeah. That means nothing that you could easily put on a t-shirt that says, you know, one tequila, two tequila, three tequila floor Betty Boop is the animated Marilyn Monroe. Like, no one gives a shit about any of Marilyn Monroe's performances. I tried to watch Seven Year Itch and I wanted to gouge out my fucking eyeballs. It's an awful movie. Like, but she has that one iconic pose and she, you know, whatever. It's the same thing. It's just imagery. It's like black people, black, like hip hop, you know, acts and Scarface. That's a shitty, shitty movie. Like, does anyone ever watch Scarface? Scarface is an awful movie. Not only is Scarface bad, Al Pacino should really apologize to the entire nation of Cuba. <laughs> he really, really should. It's that fucking bad. And also, there's like a dozen Cuban Cuban roles, you know, people that are playing Cubans, and it's all white people. It's like Italians and everything else. It's the worst fucking movie ever made. They're largely swarthy whites. They're swarthy whites. Stanley but... Tucci types. <laughs> Stanley Tucci. But it's the fucking worst movie ever made, and people just adopt it because it's, I don't know, whatever. That's what she's doing with Betty Boop, man. She's like the... So you're saying She's Tupac in that shit. This is like a Black Bart Simpson type situation. Very much so. What if she had just put Black Bart... What about if it was Rasta Bart? (laughs) Now that would be fun. Rasta Bart was definitely the best Bart. If it was Rasta Bart, then I think it's a great tattoo. I say go for it. (laughs) Mom loved getting high. She loved... (laughs) She loved uh, Lover's Rock reggae. She loved uh, bootleg t-shirts that Al Groening sees no proceeds from. It was... Yeah. Matt Groening. It was... It, Al Groening. I think, I think we found a solution to this problem. I'm going to write this woman a letter. Change your tattoo. <laughs> oh, I thought of another job you can have if you have a neck tattoo. Okay. Sustainable meat. Sustainable butcher. <laughs> Lindy, Lindy and Grundy on Fairfax. Check them out. <laughs> we'll be back in just a second. I'm Jordan Jesse. Go.
Jordan, Jesse, go. I'm Jesse Thorne, America's radio sweetheart. Nick, repeat Adams. It's hot up here, isn't it? It's warm. It's hot in Maximum Fun World Headquarters Inner Sanctum. You have a man attic, and it's pretty, pretty sweet. I, what, here's what happened, Nick. Um, our friend and uh, uh, fellow Max Fun personality, John Hodgman, known popularly John. as Judge John Hodgman, was in Los Angeles for something or other. I don't remember what. And uh, he was coming. He was over at the house. We were hanging out. And he took a tour of the house. And he sort of took me aside and said, Jesse, you work from home, do you not? <laughs> and I said, yes, I do. And so does you know my wife. And Julia works here as well. Our intern, Paolo. And he said, Jesse, this isn't going to work. He said, this is not going to work. You need to find a place where you can escape from all these people and your child. (coughs) I hear what he's saying. Now, Hodgman happens, you know, Hodgman has long-running national commercial campaign money Money. on hand. And so his solution to this... Daily Show contributor supplemental money. ...was to buy a small condominium across the street from where he lives. Where does he live? Uh, in Park Slope, Brooklyn. So Hodgman, Hodgman's solution is he lives in a, in a you know, nice apartment in, in Park Slope, Brooklyn with his wife and his children. And when he has to work, he goes over to this very oh. small, like sort of junior one-bedroom type uh, condominium. Ugh. Sort of three-room condominium. So sweet. And that's not really in the cards for Jesse. Maybe one day I'll be cast as a beloved character in a beloved series of television commercials. Um, but it seems maybe unlikely. You, maybe you'll bang out a, a, a role on an HBO series. You never know. Yeah, who knows? I look forward to the opportunity. Right. Maybe I'll be friends with Ricky Gervais. <laughs> um, in the meantime, the solutions that we came up with. Well, first of all, the first thing I wanted to do was buy one of those. Hodgman was pushing for this very hard. Was buy one of those Dwell Magazine yes. prefab yes. office building, outbuilding shed things. I don't have anything approaching a backyard, and I haven't. Ever, as an adult, and I want one of those so bad, it's not even funny. They seem so great, right? Yeah. And I can even see myself spending the fifteen or $20,000 that they cost mm. if it weren't for the fact that I don't own this Right. <laughs> so but I you, think... Can you, you can take that with you when you leave. Right? Maybe, somehow. Mm. I don't know. I don't think you can. So then I was like, well, what if we came up with a system that would allow me to take it with me when I leave? So then I'm like, great, I'm buying a sweet camper, and I'm going to put it up there. Because in Airstream, our our backyard goes up a pretty steep hill, but there's a lot of space. Yeah, it's it's really huge. Especially up at the top, there's a lot of space. So you really could put a camper up there without even bothering the neighbors. Sure. But then I realized that if I put a camper up there, what am I going to tow it with? My two-seat Roadster or my wife's? 94 horsepower Scion XB. I think both of those would, would haul an Airstream, right? <laughs> Neither of them would haul an Airstream. I did research on the internet. Um, it involves some very shady, so it would involve some very, very questionable mechanic work to get them tow hitched appropriately. If you guys both together could pull an Airstream? I think we both could together, yes. I fixed it. So I gave up on that. And that was also, that, that one was good because that was also my plan for. 
uh, a place for the parents to sleep when they come to visit the baby. Right. Let them hike up into the back- hike up uh, into the backyard. They sleep in the little little cute little teardrop trailer or something. Yeah. That didn't work out. So the situation that finally did work out was I moved my office into the master bedroom and I'm living large up here. I, I'm not going to deny it. It wasn't like this the first time we came here, was it? No, we yeah. were downstairs. Yeah, yeah we, I, was in, I was in a small regular bedroom. Um, but it, what we ended up having to do was basically the common areas of our home uh, are now essentially what you would would call if you were being generous you might call it a dining room generally you, mm-hmm. i think you would call it a foyer um, that's a dining room that's an official a, a walk-in room. a walk-in space that is a common area you everything gotta, else is work you got to put the positive spin on this <laughs> so stuff. our whole living room you know with our beautiful fireplace and our giant formerly dining table now conference table are all office space. But when you have an empire, that's what you have to do. You Your home sacrifices. is the nerve center. Like everything This is has the nerve to, center. You know? If I say jump, my brother, my brother, and me say how high. Jesse, I got a question to ask you. Yeah, what's that? Are you familiar with the term push present? Push present? Push present. Is this, is this when you give someone the gift of the beloved internet technology of the early 2000s that <laughs> no. turned out to be a failure it's it involves jesse jackson and the rainbow push coalition <laughs> oh. i once wrote a letter to well, i had a school assignment when i was in i'm gonna say fourth grade that you had to write a letter to your hero so i wrote a letter to the reverend jesse jackson wow. who i admired tremendously and i had met in real life um and my father during his 1988 campaign uh, was lucky enough to uh, uh, write some talking points for the Reverend oh, wow. Jackson on the subject of disability rights, which he was working on. Okay, I was about to be really shocked that someone had to write any talking points <laughs> for Jesse Jackson <laughs> until you said disability rights. And I was like, all right, well, he doesn't know a ton about it. Yeah, that. I think the, Rev- the Reverend Jackson has a, uh, a two-hour speech prepared on the topic of uh, deciduous plants. <laughs> um, so uh, I wrote a letter to the Reverend Jackson a beautiful letter for a nine-year-old. I'm not... This is mere puffery. This was an excellent letter. I didn't hear anything back. Well, everyone else in my <laughs> class was getting letters back from the people that they wrote to and oh, sharing them in class. I was getting progressively sadder and sadder until one day, I'm going to say 15 months later, hmm. I get an envelope in the mail from the Rainbow Push Coalition. I am like, holy shit wow the reverend jesse jackson wrote me a fucking letter this was amazing i mean no one can support progressive causes and rhyme and possibly be slightly anti-semitic like the (laughs) reverend jesse jackson not possibly and not slight (laughs) um and so i was over the moon and I ran into my room from where the mail fell in, the, you know, fell in through the slot and opened it up. And it was just a fundraiser. It was just a fundraising letter. So I wrote a letter about how I was a nine-year-old they, and Jesse you, Jackson was my hero. They're like, okay, uh, burn it. But first, <laughs> put, put him on the fundraising mailing list. The harsh realities of politics. I will, I will say that the only other hero letter I ever wrote as a small kid was to San Francisco Giants pitcher Dave Dravecki, 
Uh, Dave Dravecki was famous for um, uh, was famous for he had a degenerative arm condition uh, that led his arm to break, and um, he essentially he he ended up uh, he ended up having an arm uh, amputated, and it was a whole thing. It was a very big deal yeah. in in San Francisco at pretty, the time. Pretty sad. And I wrote him a letter, and he wrote me back no less than two years later. And it was a really nice note that said that I should read the Bible. Ugh. Which was a bummer I of a message. I prefer the Jesse Jackson response. But it was nice of him. He actually it was handwritten. It was like on a little card. I, I prefer the Jesse Jackson response. Hey, kid, we can't read all these letters. Send us 20 bucks if you get a chance. <laughs> so I can hire someone to write fake response letters on my behalf. Here's, here's the difference in, uh, in you and I. If, when I was that age, if I had to write a letter to, to one of my heroes, I would have written it to Eddie Murphy for playing Jesse Jackson in the Hymetown sketch on SNL. <laughs> that, to me, that might be the pinnacle of television comedy in America. If me. I had had a third letter to write, I might have sent it to Black Bart Simpson. <laughs> Rasta Bart? Yeah. Um, the, the, well, this would be Air Bart, probably. I was a much bigger fan of Air Bart than I was uh, Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so push presents. The push present is a present that a man buys for his lady after she gives birth. Oh, push present. It's as vulgar as you think it is. So I, I when you said man buys for his lady, I was picturing like that episode of The Simpsons where Homer buys Marge a bowling ball that says Homer on it. Mm-hmm. That was what I was like. Oh, no, it's not like it's it's something for her. It's not, you know, you're not trying to to turn it around back on yourself. It's just like, hey, thank you for my child. Did you did you buy your beautiful and charming wife uh, one of these presents or were you pressured to buy your wife one of these presents? Here's the thing. Up until like eight months ago, I had never even heard of this thing. So I didn't even know that it existed. And then it wasn't even that I was getting pressure. Now, right now we're talking about the clitoris. (laughs) <laughs> that in the G spot, yeah. and then I found out about the push present. Right? No, what happens is women—they're all—they're all in a special pamphlet that's when you take the birthing sent class. out by the good folks at Babes in Toyland <laughs> in New York City. When you take the birthing class, they talk to you about all this stuff, and then they get down to the push present in the G spot. Yeah. Um, no, I mean women don't even say you have to. You know, like, you should get her. But it's just like you know about the push present, right? Like it's like understood. Like if you're a proper, it's like an engagement ring. Like it's just something you should know about. Almost. Almost. I mean, every, every woman that I talked to was like, you, this is a thing, and you have to do it, and don't question it. And I was like, I don't know if I have to or if it is a thing. Is this like buying liquor for your mailman? No, no. It's much more legit than that. You know, it's not like tipping everybody at the fucking hotel when you leave. It's just, it's real, and you have to do it. Really? Yeah. Oh, jeez. Well, and then I thought, I, you know, I was like, oh, is this, this is some sort of scam. But then I thought, you know what? My wife... Pushed an eight-pound, nine-ounce being out of her vagina. She deserves a fucking bracelet, you know? Yeah, she, no, she, that's fair. She should get a bracelet. I mean, the reality is that... The reality is that the feat of giving birth is so mind-bendingly amazing. Yes. It is so... And you and I will never comprehend it. And it's a reason why your mother always has a trump card over you. Always. That's why you always, you know, bow in servitude to your mother because she squeezed you out of a very small opening. There's no number of diapers that I can change that could ever be anything like 
pushing a baby out of my special parts. Nope. So, you know, buy some earrings and keep it moving. So did you, did you, did you, did you get on board for this activity? I, I got on board. I, I figured, you know, she deserves an extra something special. How is it, how is it going, by the way? How, how, how old is your daughter now? Like seven I'm, weeks as of yesterday. I was seven weeks old. So you, you're a, you're a veteran at this point. Um, we are sliding into some semblance of normalcy. Okay. How about that? In it's week a, seven. It's a new normalcy. It's not the old normal, but it's, uh. We got a routine now. And you've been you've been working. Have you been you've you been working that whole time? I started on a Wednesday and my daughter was born on a Saturday. So yes. yes. And, and and I took the, that subsequent week they gave me that week off. But then I went back to work. And Zoe De Chanel, she doesn't take any shit from anybody. She She cracks a whip. You know, yeah. she took me aside and she said, "Listen, pal." She took down. She took down uh, local public radio person uh, personality Pat Morrison recently. She put that winch in her place and deservedly so. She did. She put the smackdown on that chick. She took her down. So you've been. So you have to go to the office every day. Yeah. Is is your wife? Um, uh, is she is she staying home? I mean, she's a professional blogger. She runs a web enterprise, is what she runs. Mondette dot com. Yeah, she's at home, and my mother in law's here and helping out, which is great. Um, what did yeah. you do? I see. I have to ask you a lot of baby stuff because uh, I don't I don't know anyone uh, in Los Angeles. I think the median age for a first child is forty four. It's getting up there. It's <laughs> and up there. so. And let's be honest, you know, what are the chances that, like, Jordan is going to make it to the baby fathering <laughs> part of his life, anything other than accidentally? You never know, man. He's good. I think he's sensible enough to be good with birth control and sensible <laughs> enough to understand that it's going to be a minute before he's ready for that particular step in his life. But um, I have to ask, so I have to ask you these things. Fire it up. Because you're you're the you're the baby dad that I know. You're my peer that that is a baby dad, albeit one that's eight years older than I. Um. So. I don't even know where to begin. I'm like so overwhelmed by the whole thing. It's it's not even. I mean, it is overwhelming, but like, it's weird because you come home and you know that the baby is healthy. You've taken a class, so you know you're supposed to feed them, you know, and change them. And pretty much if anything happens out of the regular, you call your doctor, and that's it. Like, you start from that place of not knowing, you know, you know how to do the basics, and then you just sort of, like, you get better at that stuff, something pops up, you read a book, you, you know, look on the internet, and you figure it out. I mean, it's kind of scary. We're lucky to live in the internet era, where if, you know... The baby has some kind of butt inflammation, yeah, which is something that comes up with their and, babies, butt inflammations. And then the next thing you know, you maybe you're rubbing a little uh, Dr. Boudreaux's on their backside, and it's fine. How yeah. about that? We already got some of that butt that's, stuff. That stuff's good, man. Is it? Yeah. Like as a dessert topping? <laughs> um, well, like a pate. Sure. Put it on like a spear of sourdough. Yeah. Were you, did you, did you feel emotionally ready for it before it happened? I've known that I wanted to have kids since I was like 22 or 23. Like but I, you and your wife have been together for quite some time. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I, I, I knew I wanted to have kids. When I met my wife, I knew I wanted to have kids with her. And yeah, I mean, I've been more than ready for some time. So you were like, you were good to go. Yeah, yeah. 
It like in terms of like getting on board and I like, no, I was like I was like all about it. What were you yeah. waiting for? Were you waiting because you wanted to be a you wanted to first become a responsible member of society? Still waiting for that. But yeah, I mean, you know, it's a it's a daunting if you if you want to live in, you know, the city and you know, have a hard scrabble existence as a single person, you can do that. If you want to be with someone else, you have to immediately think, ah, I want to have a little more comfort. I want my woman to feel like we can go out to eat or whatever. But you get a push start- present from time to time. Yeah. Once you start to talk about having a kid, it's, I don't know, it's just scary because I, I can always eat ramen noodles and I know my wife can eat ramen noodles because she's assuming things are going to eventually get better. But once you have a kid, like there's corners that can't be cut or I, I didn't, I never wanted to have to. That's interesting because I, I, I actually have sort of a different perspective and I'm in the same boat as you. Like I never didn't want to have kids. And I never didn't want to have kids with my wife, Teresa. And, you know, we've been together since we were 17. So. Wow. Um, but I, I don't think that I ever felt like I had to get to a certain place in my life financially before I could have kids. Maybe because my parents, despite being somewhat older than I am now when I was born, having been somewhat older than I am now when I was born. No. Okay. Let's... They were older parents. Got they it. are older parents than I am. Um, but they did not have their lives together right, right. financially. And they only, as time went on, they only got their lives together less. Like, <laughs> my, like my dad, I mean, I guess my dad, you know, was, was, when I was born, he was sort of like an alcoholic and he like went into recovery when, when I was a little kid. So that's a big step yeah, forward. But my mom, like, my mom quit her steady, if low-paid job uh, at, a, at a store to go to graduate school when I was, like, eight. And my dad went to graduate school when I was, like, 11. So both of them were, you know, both of them, there was no point w- until I was 15 or 16 where it was like, hey, my parents are members of the middle class <laughs> but consistently. That, but that's, like, they're taking us step back financially to take a big step forward and they're showing their young child or impressionable young child how important education is and they're furthering and the fact that by the time that i was out of college they had taken a step forward financially (laughs) but yeah so but but i never as a kid i never was i never felt poor in the sense that i never worried about whether i had things that other kids had right you know, but I your was, parents were i'm sure they were and i'm sure they were and but also i know but i know because of that i feel like i know that it will be okay right no matter what goes sure. on but now here's the other side of it i have only recently attained middle classness like i was you know there were from ages 18 to 27 I don't think I made more than $18,000 in a year. Right. Right? So I was, we were just barely, barely, barely making it, right? And then, you know, over the past three years, I have joined the middle class, you know, as Maximum Fund has grown, and it's like, oh, like I can actually afford to pay myself a reasonable amount of money. Right. And I was like, I think when we were 27 or 28, we were just getting there, you know? Teresa was like, well, let's have kids. I was like, hold on. I want to be a rich guy first for a minute. <laughs> like, I've never had that before. Right. I want to feel what it's like to just, just go into a store and buy something. Right. You know what I mean? Like, just be like, hey, let's, 
let's go to let's go away for the weekend yeah, yeah. to Santa Barbara. Yeah. Not like $10,000 thing, but right, like right. just be able to do like a $600 thing. No, I mean, I'm 38 and I got to that place like last year, right. <laughs> you know? Exactly. So, I mean, I totally understand. And I, I never wanted to be like a rich guy first, but I, I was always in a position where things were kind of getting better and I wanted to wait for things to get good. Right. And then once we started to actively try to get pregnant... Uh, it took us a while, and then by the time... It, was, it ended up being more successful for her than for you. What's that? More successful. They're getting pregnant. She was the one who ended up getting pregnant. Yes, yes. But, you know, uh, I, I helped. I was I contributed something to that. But she she got pregnant, and I was, at that point, getting to a place in my career where things were getting good, where I didn't feel freaked out, or where I could go into a store, like you said, and not, you know, look at the price on everything. But, you know, I mean... I can't remember what the term is. One of the writers on uh, Perfect Couples used this term, and he was talking about how he was broke, and that, you know his wife was pregnant, and he he ended up you know writing a selling a script or something, and you know it's a, that theory of like when you have to absolutely get your shit together in order to be a you know responsible parent, you can somehow miraculously figure that out. So what has been what has been your biggest unexpected challenge since this baby was born? I mean, I th- by the way, this week on this week on Jordan Jesse go daddy talk for dads only. Yeah, daddy talk. Um, I don't. I mean, I think everything's been expected. You just don't know how it's going to make you feel. Like hearing your newborn child scream bloody murder for ten or fifteen minutes in a row, and you know in your gut that there's nothing wrong is pretty pretty painful. Like wow. they're fed. They're changed, they're safe, they're warm, you know, there's no scratches or cuts or they're not teething, and they're just, they've decided to just scream for no fucking reason. It's a nightmare. (laughs) There's not a ton of that, but when it happens, you're just sort of like, why are you doing this? Like, why would you ever just scream for no fucking reason? It's kind of amazing. Um, The other thing I would say is just... I mean, you know, like you're going to be changing a lot of diapers, but just the, you literally just changed the diaper. And as you're walking <laughs> away, the baby pees and you're, I just, like, as you're changing a diaper, the baby pees on itself or like, it's just, it's all you do. It's like every 10 minutes. You're I like, was, I was reading the, like, so you're going to be a parent newspaper that you, that they hand you when you walk in for a baby appointment at uh, Kaiser Permanente, mm-hmm. my health insurer. And um, there was something about... News Corporation there paper, was, I think. There was something about curdled feces. Whoa, whoa. And I was like, wow. I, I, changed, I changed a fair number of diapers in my day. Like, uh, my, my younger brothers are 8 and 14 years younger than I am. Okay. So, you know, I changed their diapers a fair amount. But I wasn't prepared for that one. What is that curdled? I don't know. You just I haven't changed it know. and it's already started to... I do not. Let's not get too far into it. Wait do you wait do you see some meconium, my friend? I let's not get too far into it, as I said. <laughs> but the thing that I, the thing that I have felt so far, I've just been genuinely terrified. Just genuinely terrified all the time. You for guys nine are gonna be fine. I think we are, and that's what's weird about it because I know that we're gonna be fine. Because I, 
you know, I've taken care of babies and little kids and my wife has too. My wife is uh, much older than her youngest sibling and was his caretaker when she was, you know, 12 to 18. And they lived in an abandoned box car. <laughs> no, they, she, she babysat a lot. And so, like, I think we both are comfortable with babies and, you know, like, it's going to be okay. Yeah. Right. But I'm still terrified. And the only thing that has made me feel better was when I bought a crib and a changing table at Ikea and put it together. And I think that my terror is not so much a sort of rational terror about the unknown and because I actually feel okay about my ability to handle the situation. Like, I'm like, yeah, I don't think it'll be okay. You know, I I genuinely feel that way. Mm -hmm. But it's more just there is a part of me that needs to solve a problem. And right right now the problem is that we have to get a healthy baby out of my wife or something. Right. And there is no, I can make no contribution to that besides just being pleasant to her. Which, I mean, and that continues for, you know, it's like that in the delivery room. You can just sort of help them and massage them and make sure they eat ice chips. And then they're trying to breastfeed and you're like, I can, what can, you're just standing there. You like, as a young father and expectant father, you spend a great deal of time just fucking standing around. And then there's (laughs) the other thing of like all this stuff that you're ready for that you've done um, you know that scene in Glory where they're training the the black troops, you know, with the musket, and they're trying to help them, you know, change the because you know with the musket you got to put the gunpowder and do that whole they thing. You got to put the ball in. You got right. to tamp it down. You got to tamp it down. So they're trying to get them to do that faster and faster. And the one guy's doing it, and he's thinking he's got it down. And they start shooting right behind him and screaming faster, faster. You think you can change a fucking diaper, but when it's four in the morning and your baby is screaming like a blood-curdling scream for just non-stop, non-stop, non-stop. There's a big pile of shit in their diaper, and you're trying to change it, and you got the you guys are going to be doing the cloth diapers too, so you got the snappies, and you're and they're fucking... Rah, 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 and your hands are shaking. Like, that. that's the true test. Like, if you don't lose your shit, then... Like, here's what they tell you at the birthing class. And in all the books, there's like a bold, like at a certain point in safety or like how to handle newborns, there's a little extra chapter or whatever. And in bold letters, it says, never shake your baby. <laughs> the last thing they tell expecting parents is no matter how fucking crazy it gets, you really shouldn't shake your baby. Right before you leave the hospital, they should pull you aside and go, all right, good luck. Don't shake your baby. Because you're going to want to shake your Baby, it's in every book. It's in every class. It's in every video. Don't fucking shake your. Don't snap and shake your baby. I was just gonna rent my baby a jumper. Is that cool? <laughs> they should make just baby toss them in there. They should make little baby ones of those. That would be fucking perfect. We'll be back in just a second on Jordan Jesse Go. It's Jordan Jesse Go. I'm Jesse Thorne, America's radio sweetheart. I'm Nick. Repeat Adams. We really say the nicknames a lot. I think maybe we better stop. I don't know, at this point, you have to just own it and make it your thing. Like you got to lean right into it if you're going to do it anymore at all. I think that we get a lot of complaints. Like a lot of like an, your negative iTunes reviews and stuff say Jordan Jesse Go is too twee and adorable. And it's like really we have a we have a we do have a twee theme song. And it is twee that we have stupid made up nicknames. Slightly ironic though, both. But all all the rest 
All the rest of the show is dick jokes. And also, <laughs> there's you can't, no other twee parts of the show. Neither you nor uh, Jordan Moore's boy detective are slight of build or frame. No. You are both stout yeah, lads. Yeah, we're, we're, we're strapping young men. Yeah, so it's not twee at all. And also, like, you, you wouldn't want to do a show that didn't get at least one negative, one or two negative comments. Like, if someone hates your show, that means you're doing it right. Like, no one, everyone shouldn't like your show. So fuck that person. Yeah, fuck them. Yeah, good work, Nick. You have a you have a winning attitude. I did, well, I don't. I, I got so many. I've gotten th- I got three complaints this weekend from public radio listeners about the sound of Young America. That is like an all time high. No, no, MP, like public radio listeners probably complain way more than the average Joe. I can. I presume they do, but they, they got stationary. I and think. Shit. <laughs> I think people complain less. I think that here's the thing. I give out my email address on the show, but I think people complain less. When they know that it's actually going to the person that they're complaining right, about, right? And also, I mean, look if if you're talking about if you if you're tuning in to some big corporate behemoth or whatever, yeah, complain, rip them a new asshole because they're trying to make mass marketed content for millions and millions of people. When you're talking about public radio, when you're talking about podcasting, what you're doing is saying, hey, if you are one of the small percentage of people who dig what I have to say, check this out. Right. If not, fucking move on, man. It's okay. Move on. You can on. go listen to this modcast. Yeah. Just I won't hold it against move you. Move on, man. Like, and you're, Kevin Smith's got a lot to say. You're more than entitled to have your opinion, but if you don't like this and you think it's too twee or whatever but just you know just move on to the next podcast well speaking of things that we do and don't like <laughs> yeah <laughs> how about that for an introduction professional we, communicator we, we, we do have a sponsor on this week's program our friends at fuelly.com f-u-e-l-l-y.com this is a website where you can go and track your uh track your gas gasoline mileage i found out everyone is getting better gasoline mileage than i am in in my car you, but you drive like a sporty sports car. I do drive sport. a sports car. What do you car. drive? I drive, I drive a very fast car. All Let's right, just we'll leave it at that. that. I have a sporty, fast car. Um, and it does not get great, great gas mileage. But I don't drive it anywhere. You know, I don't go anywhere in it. That's what I'm saying. you got the nerve center right here. Yeah, you're, I got the whole nerve center is right here. Exactly, Nick. You go anywhere. Anyway. Shit uh, comes to you. So Fuelly.com is a website where you go in, you, you type in what kind of car you have. You when you go in Stutz bu- Bearcat? <laughs> exactly. Uh International Harvester <laughs> Scout. Um and you Hudson Hornet. You Are we just me. saying old timey cars? Maybe an Opal? Nash Metropolitan. A Sunbeam. Um one Geo Metro and one DeLorean. <laughs> Geo like Metro. The garage down the street from my house. Uh. Um so you go in and you type in your fuel, your fuel numbers when you, when you buy gas, and it tracks your gas mileage. You can compare it to other people's gas mileage that have the same kind of car, and you can adjust your driving to get better gas mileage and save yourself money. What would you slow down? You speed up? You, you, you drive your tires? You, stay, you, keep your, you keep your tires at the proper inflation. You uh, try not to uh, use that accelerator too much. You slow down a little bit. Try and keep off the brake. You try and coast, coast more. Right, right. Keep a constant speed, constant rate of speed. Yeah. Anyway, fuelly.com. Um, we have no Jumbotrons this week, but if you want to get on the Jordan Jesse Go Jumbotron, just go to maximumfund.org slash Jumbotron, and we will share any message you like, commercial uh, or personal, not quite any message you like, no political messages, mm. but any personal commercial message you want, maximumfund.org slash 
Jumbotron. It's cheap, affordable. We'll be back in just a second on Jordan Jesse Go. It's Jordan, Jesse Go. I am Jesse Thorne, America's radio sweetheart. I am Nick Adams sitting in for Jordan Morris. You ready for some momentous occasions, Nick? I am. Let's do it. Hi, Jordan, Jesse, and possible guest. This is Dave in Sycamore, Illinois. I've got a momentous occasion. I lost my wallet today, uh, and I remembered where it might have been found, and so I called this establishment, and I was surprised that they they said that my wallet belongs to Dave, because everything in my wallet says David. And when I picked the wallet up, I looked inside, and I realized they had called me Dave because the first thing they had seen was my Maximum Fun Club card, and that I'm committed to being more awesome in all matters, public and private. So, Jordan and Jeffy, your card helped get my wallet back to me. Thanks so much for all you do. Bye-bye. We're changing lives, one Max Fun Club card at a time, Nick. Touching. It's a beautiful moment. I do love the fact that that guy is such a fan of you and all of your endeavors that instead of uh, admitting that it's a reasonable thing to do to call someone named David Dave, he just went ahead and attributed it to Maximum Fun. Yeah, absolutely. Because he knows what's important. (laughs) He knows what is important. Hello, uh, Jordan, Jesse, go. Um, I'm calling in for a momentous occasion. Uh, I, I just told my uh, parents that I'm a, that I'm a, a gay and stuff. Um, yeah. All righty then. Uh, bye. Yes. A gay? I didn't catch the second part. He said gay and stuff. Oh. <laughs> On the one hand, I there is a part of me that wishes it was more declarative. Yes, it would have been a lot stronger of a moment. But it's a t- it's a tough it's a tough thing to do. Sure. And I fucking admire you for it. And maybe there were some other things that he admitted maybe, to his parents that he didn't want to go into with us. Maybe, some stuff. Maybe it was just like, <laughs> look, I'm gay. And I'm also... While I'm at it, I've been borrowing the car without asking. <laughs> right. I'm going to get a PhD in uh, you know, romance languages. What well, you know, like whatever. <laughs> yeah. Just he just dropped some shit that he needed. So he's like, well, as long as I'm dropping shit on my parents... As long as I'm telling them important stuff that I've been holding back, uh, that I've I been voted holding for back Kucinich, out of fear, you know, <laughs> just just so you guys know, I've decided to register with the Green Party. Yeah, I love Entourage. I just love it. Not ironically, I think it's a good show. Uh, um, anyway, fucking a congratulations, yeah, man. Good for that guy. That is such. It is such a beautiful. You know, I, I think it's such a beautiful and brave thing to do. Even whether, no matter what your parents' position on on you know, hopefully they're accepting. Is. But either way, regardless, it's it's a hard thing to have to do. And yeah. I think most people's parents, e- even people's parents who who aren't accepting, will will go on to realize that they love their kids more than they are uncomfortable with homosexuality. They'll stop being assholes, is what you're saying. Uh, yeah, but I think one way or the other, I just think it is such a brave and and admirable thing to to get to that point in your life where you where you're going to be yourself publicly and just fucking do it and an awkward uh place to be in if you're a parent you know what like if your kid is 
are you supposed to act surprised if you even if you already always known are you oh what oh okay we love you anyway or are you gonna go yeah of course you're gay we've known that since you were 12 we we've talked on this me and jordan and i have talked about this on the program but my mom i would say between when i was about nine or ten and when i was about 13 or 14 and i started dating girls uh she was frequently, frequently <laughs> made clear that she was giving me the opportunity to come out if I needed to. If you want to go out to the parade, Jesse, go ahead. She just, I don't mind. She just wanted me to know that if that's what was up, <laughs> that it would be okay. That's, that's sweet and progressive of your mom. My mom's a nice lady. She was uh, maybe, you know, maybe a little disappointed that I was straight. <laughs> she loved me very much the whole time. She's, she, I've made that joke before. I've said that before. And my mom has been upset with me because she wants me to know that she would have loved me however I was. Sure. But that's why she was telling you that. You yeah. Know? But she, let's just say she didn't have a happy relationship with my dad. She didn't have the highest opinion of uh, straight men in general. I got you. I got you. So maybe she was. But then why would she send you into a relationship with a man? No, well, that's a good point. Ah, I just flipped it. You see what I just did? That's a good but point. But not a straight man. Maybe it's uh, it's a wormhole. We can go down that yeah. wormhole. But She was... Hey, listen. This is what's important. She loves me a lot. Yep. And when I started dating ladies, she was really nice about it. Yeah. <laughs> good on you, Mom. We'll be back in just a second on Jordan Jessica. La, la, la. It's Jordan, Jesse Go. I'm Jesse Thorne, America's radio sweetheart. I'm Nick Adams sitting in for Jordan Morris. So how did that, uh, what do you got there, a Pacifico? El Pacifico. How did the Pacifico Clara go for you? Uh, it went pretty well. I have a desperate need to urinate, so everything worked out. Okay, great. <laughs> That's how you know if a beer was good. If you really have to piss after drinking uh, a pint of it, then it was effective. That bottle does appear to be empty. It looks like it has done its work. And you, my friend, have another uh, plastic God, novelty. You have to take the other one with you. I'll take them. I don't want these. I'm not hosting any... I don't, I don't, I'm not running a beer garden. I'll take them. A beer garden and a music festival where you're not allowed to have glass. Is this recyclable? Oh, no. I think I'm... How much did that cost? Hey, Jesse, I'm rolling in the News Corp dollars. I don't look at the label you on... You got that Zoe Deschanel money. Insignificant... Chotskis? Like, I don't... No, nah, it's a couple bucks. No, I don't know. Maybe a dollar or something like that. Jesus Christ, Nick. I don't know. I, I don't know what it's like to be to live in your world, your elevated world where the streets yes. are paved with gold doubloons. The elevated world of two-bedroom two apartments. Novelty plastic. <laughs> two-bedroom apartments and Honda Civics and uh, the like. This is a world that I'll never understand. Well, Nick, it, once again, thank you for uh, filling in on Jordan Jesse Go. It's always a pleasure, man. Uh, comedian Nick Adams, uh, he's writing for the upcoming television program Zoe Deschanel. <laughs> That's what you could call there. You could call it New Girl uh, okay. this fall on Fox this after Glee on the Fox program. <laughs> Um, you can just call it Zoe Deschanel. Maybe we'll start that. Online at nickadamsweb.com. Yep. Um, and uh, the author of the book, Making Friends with Black People. Yep. Um, which my brother last week said he's planning to read. It'll, I gave him a copy of this book. How, how long ago did your book come out? Six Five years, years ago? ago six really? years ago? Yeah. yeah. He's, and he was sincere, too. That was what was amazing that, about it. I appreciate my it. My brother's not an insincere guy. I appreciate it. it. As long as he, you know, takes it with a grain of salt when I, profe- when I announce that we will never have a black president. 
making friends with black people is Nick's book. He's Nick Adams Webb on Twitter, nickadamsweb.com. Um, Google, if, Google Plus. If you want to give us a telephone call, 206-984-4FUN, 206-984-4FUN. And I will be, we'll be out next week because... Uh, Roughly one week from the recording yeah. date of this program is when my wife is uh, due to uh, have a few f- pre-push present activities. Yeah. Um, so Maybe it up. Hopefully, uh, the next time I speak into this microphone, I will be announcing a uh, healthy, bouncing baby boy. Atticus Thorne. <laughs> um, Atticus Coleridge. <laughs> I think um, we got it. I think we got it. Yeah. Did I ever tell you about my dream plan to convert to Judaism so I could give my baby some like really cool, super Old Testamenty? Excuse me, Hebrew Bible e Shlomo Shlomo Herschel. Herschel's a cool name. Yeah, it is. Herschel's a cool name. Shlomo is a good one too. I like Shlomo. Shlomo is one of those names where it's gonna it's gonna suck all the way through high school. If he's hip enough, he can start pulling it off in college with his buddies and with some certain nerdy type girls, and then it'll be fine and a conversation started. But the first twenty years of his life are going to be brutal. That's true. But there's a there's other. I mean, look, there's other good yeah, ones. Yeah. There's other good ones. But anyway, yeah, it's, that's not what's going to be. We'll talk to you in two weeks right here on Jordan Jesse Go two zero six nine eight four four Fun JJ Go at maximumfun dot org. Our theme music, Love You by the Free Design courtesy of the free design and light in the attic records if you want to sponsor an episode of the show email teresa at maximumfun.org if you want to get on the jumbotron it's maximumfun.org slash jumbotron hey guess what if you want your own jordan jesse go t-shirt jump on the fucking internet maxfunstore.com take care of business let's buy some fucking t-shirts out there i just did it gang you did yeah I paid you to guest host this program last week, and then you just sent the money back I to told me you and... I was going to reinvest. Well, I appreciate that. Nick. My t-shirt game was needing some help, so I decided to step up. Well, I appreciate that. It, it, be like Nick Adams. Be like beloved Jordan Jesse Go guest Nick Adams. Visit MaxFunStore.com. If you ever need the URL of one of our sponsors, it's in the forum. Uh, and I hope you'll comment in the forum at forum.maximumfun.org. That's probably enough shit. That's H-T-T-P. Colon colon forward slash forward slash if you backslash the whole thing will go shit house forward slash my whole monitor is covered with whiteout <laughs> okay look i got to go i got to go have a human being that's half me we'll talk to we'll talk to you in half? 2 weeks yeah half of the dnas oh right i thought you meant like in length oh no jesus christ <laughs> ah. it's 3 feet 1 and a half inches the new world's record. 101 pounds. Good news and bad news. <laughs> you have to buy a hell of a push present. Yeah. yeah. Okay, we'll talk All to right. you next time on Jordan Jessica. Bye. Bye.